This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are learning, teaching, investing, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger style. And what that really boils down to is buying a few wonderful companies. Charlie calls this focused investing. We found out last week oh, from I Daniel. like that you remembered. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> we're buying a few wonderful businesses and we're going to sit on them and they're going to compound our money and make us wealthier. And that is the idea. And that, <laughs> well, that is sounds how, great. Where do yeah. I sign up? Yeah. And the catch is not so much. Well, there's two catches. You got to figure out what of the many wonderful businesses that are out there, which ones you can really understand. And you've got to buy them when they're on sale. And that on sale thing is really a puzzle right now because man alive, it's the markets have been screamingly high for the last three years and they are starting to kind of pop around now and maybe start to indicate they might be going down. Mm -hmm. But buying companies at this level right here at the prices people are paying for them, especially if you diversify and buy a whole bunch of them, have historically resulted in nearly 0% rates of return over the next 20 years. And if that doesn't get your attention for your retirement and your potential for living well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're not paying attention. You need well, to be paying attention, I think. Don't you I'll think, I'll tell Daniel? you, most of us are not paying attention. This is true. That's my own personal experience. Which is really, really scary. I'm telling you, really scary. When you've got yeah, guys like Yeah, but if like you don't Ray pay Dalio, attention, then you don't get scared. Well, if you don't know anything, you don't get scared, and then you're just dead. Then you're just ignorant and happy. <laughs> right? I mean, you could, you're ignorant and happy right until you get eaten by the lion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's horrible. You don't want to do that. It'd be better to be knowledgeable and scared when you should be scared. I right? Guess. It's like that, that famous thing. It's like, you know... Anyone who actually understands this situation is panicked right now, right? If you're not panicked right now, you simply don't understand. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're not there yet on the panic thing. But I will tell you this, honey. Uh, a guy that I really hope you get a chance to read his book, and I'm going to encourage everyone to read this book. We've talked about this book occasionally. What book? It's called Margin of Safety. And it was written in the 90s by Seth Klarman, K-L-A-R-M-A-N. Ah, yes. Seth runs famous. a $20 billion hedge fund called Baupost. Um, he's got a phenomenal track record, and he's one of the most interesting writers about investing. You know, that Warren and, I mean, Charlie reads him. You know, I mean, it's he's, he's a smart guy, Klarman. His book is available on eBay. Highly encourage you to read his book. Why now, is it only not, on eBay? Because it's out of print. Really? So yeah. there's not enough demand for it? Well, there's not enough demand or Seth doesn't care to bother to go back in and mess with it. Um, and so if you want a copy of the book, I think they range between $1,000 and $1,500. Oh, I will not be purchasing that book. Or you can download it as a PDF. 
Oh, that's terrible, though. You mean somebody just ripped it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Dad. Hey, Seth's worth a lot of money. And I think he's happy <laughs> to have it out there. Or he'd republish it, right? And sell it for 20 So I don't think it's a thing for him. And I'm going to take the chance here that he's not going to sue me. That, <laughs> And I'm going to just tell you, go Google Seth Klarman, Margin of Safety, PDF, and you can download it. Okay, there I'm going to look it up. And it's a good book. It's really good. It, 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 he invests the way I do, the way Danielle's doing it, and the way we want you guys to do it, which is buy wonderful businesses, buy them on sale, know what you're doing, make sure they have a margin of safety, and go forward like that with a few things in focus. So and what's Seth so great really about the book? It. What does he put in it? He put in it that. It's oh. like, but every time you read it from a different perspective, you get something different and yeah. get something out of it. But let me tell you why I brought him up. Because he just published a 20-page paper to his investors that is a little scary. And it basically is taking a similar position about the economy and where we're at at the end of a long credit cycle with a ton of debt. Uh, that we are potentially in for a real firestorm of a, of a recession here, potential depression, potential wars, potential riots, potential a lot of a lot of really un, unpleasant things that happen at the end of a credit cycle when you simply have too much debt worldwide. Mm. Does Seth he have any uh, suggestions or, for that, or is it just Seth, pure? Uh, let's all run around screaming. I, it's it's very much in the in the uh, it, it's an intellectual analysis of the situation that says okay here we are this thing it's a that you sit hear, rep <laughs> yeah it's a sit rep where did you get that that's straight out of ranger training oh it's come on that's like a normal uh, thing to say stole it from the army all right so <laughs> sit rep. <laughs> All right, we so, millennials steal everything, Dad. What can yeah, I tell you? Yeah, that's pretty good. I was surprised to hear that coming from you. So, anyway, um, this is a essentially someone who's knowledgeable about the wo- the woods that we're in, saying, "You know that sound that you hear, that rumbling? That's a lion." Mm-hmm. All right, and it doesn't mean we're about to be eaten, but it means there's a lion right here. And we need to be aware that one of the outcomes of standing here near a lion is that we get eaten. We need to take appropriate action. And I think Seth isn't writing so much for the investor as he's just writing in general. This is a macroeconomic potential nightmare coming at us. And I just think it's so interesting that he's doing that right on top of Ray Dalio doing pretty much the same thing. Hmm. Um, And these are two of the best investors that I know of outside of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Now, contrast that with with what Buffett and Munger are doing. Well, it's not contrasted. Compare it to what Buffett and Munger are doing. Munger hasn't bought a stock in a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Buffett is camped out after buying a bunch of Apple. He's still camped out on over $100 billion, double what he's ever had in cash in the history of Berkshire. And, you know, you, I, you know Warren's the last guy on the planet that's going to say scary things about the market. Um, but I think Warren's saying scary things about the market. I think he's putting it between the lines and saying that we have a rainstorm due. It didn't come last year. It could have. It it could come this year. It could come next year. But it's coming. So com- 
compare now we got Dalio, Buffett. I think Charlie would agree with Warren. I mean, Charlie's sitting up there while Warren's saying this stuff and he isn't saying nothing. Yeah. And Charlie's not a guy to stay silent. I guess I just agree. sort of hear all this stuff and I'm like, all right, they think something, a recession, essentially, it might be a major one, is coming. Like, okay, smart people think that. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Getting cash. Yeah, but I've been hearing that for three years. Yeah. And that's right. It's the right advice because you're in a market that's being substantially manipulated by Federal Reserves all over the world, trying to prevent what is nearly inevitable, and that is the, a business cycle. They're trying to prevent it, and, and they're trying to prevent it for a lot of reasons. They probably kept us out of a depression back in 2009, so good for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but now you kind of wonder how much of this is politically driven, right? When you got guys like Trump screaming from the rooftops to leave the interest rates alone, you know, because of what? Straight up politics. You know, he wants success under his watch. Yeah. As every politician does, so you've you've got this basic macro issue that we've I, I don't think in the history of the country ever seen anything like the level of involvement in yeah. the market, and so th there's there's very little time left, I think, given what we see from Munger, Buffett, Dalio, Klarman, and many other very good investors. Uh, there's very little time left. I think it doesn't hurt to be in cash for three years if you're in cash when it hits the fan. And you can take advantage of that. And that, of course, is the, is the goal, is not that we think it's the end of the world. The goal is to have capital available to invest when everybody else thinks it's the end of the world. That's what we want to do. We want to invest in 1942, right? Yeah. We want to invest in 1932. We, we, we don't want to invest in 1999. We don't want to invest in 2007. What we want to do is exit then and invest in 2009, in 1999, in 1932, right? That's when to pull the trigger. And of course, you have to have cash to do that. That's what yeah, I'm Yeah, and I guess you, you also about. have to have a crystal ball because we don't know if we are in 1932 or if we're in 2010. Well, you know? Ray Dalio, like I could see this continuing. We, Ray we, Dalio's we, got the best crystal ball I have ever heard of. This is a guy, in case you don't know who he is, he runs Bridgewater, which is the largest hedge fund. He has, I don't know how many billion. Is it oh, the largest? Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Largest pure hedge fund. I mean, Berkshire is bigger, but Berkshire is not a hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. So, but Dalio has like an 18% track record for 36 years by making macro calls like this. Hmm. By looking back at history, he's a deep, deep thinker, historian thinker, looking back at all of the ways things happen. And his view, given the news articles, given the, uh, given the populist uh, uh, politicians who are being elected, given the rise of tension, given the trade issues, his view is we're in 1937. Now, that should wake you up a little. Yeah. I mean, think about again. I'm like, what do I do with? Like, again, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm awake. What do I do? Do I need to get some coffee? Like, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're in 1937, right? And you're looking at things start to crumble as more and more populists are elected and then become dictators and blah blah blah. And here comes these statist, these demand for statist solutions, right? So you have the socialist in Germany. 
uh, you have the socialists in in uh, uh, Italy, you got the communists in Russia, you've got all of these, this buildup of state solutions. You got FDR elected in America, massively uh, statist relative to any other president. So you have all these statist solutions coming in. 1937, what do you do? Well, number one, you, you say, what are the odds that we're going to stay out of a war? The odds are low. The, the, we're headed toward war in 1937. Now, are we into your opinion now, or is this... No, this is history. No, I know. <laughs> That's not my opinion. 1937, we were headed toward war. All right. Now, I don't know how many people... I mean, obviously, there was a huge military buildup going on, right? China's going through a huge military buildup today. So are we. So, I mean, let's let's, let's okay. not say the peril is perfect. Let's just go to 1937. What would be a perfect thing to do in 1937 as an investor? Yeah, I have what no idea. would be an idea. awesome thing. I guess like buy military industrial companies. <laughs> I have no idea. Actually, that would be probably genius. Um, I honestly don't know how those came out. Right? I think they came out extremely well. I think they probably did too. Considering um, it was the companies, largest boom of manufacturing in the U.S. ever. Yep, energy companies came out very well. Right? Mm. Agricultural companies came out very well. Um. And cash came out very well. So rather than trying to figure it all out, you know, you you could buy companies right then, or you could just buy cash, you know, have cash and watch. And and if you had done cash, just as a way of thinking about it, um, yeah, you would have been sitting there for about five years before you'd want to put it back in the market. But in that five-year period, the market went down pretty much over that period of time, mm. and went down to 100. It was back, the market was at 300 in 1929. It was back at 100 in 1942, right? So it had mm. gone down enough to where you could really load up. And if you'd loaded up, it would have been at 1,000 by 1965. So 23 years later, it had gone up from 100 to 200, 200 to 400, 400 to 800, and another half. So you have three and a half doubles. You're, you're, you're knocking out a solid... 12 to 13 percent per year just in the market in general without even having to pick a good company for 20 some years if you just waited carefully patiently yeah i mean and there's I, a lot of differences between that period of time in the u.s versus now in the u.s like uh, what uh i mean i don't want to like get into a whole political discussion so there were a lot of differences. It was a different time in the maturity of the country um, economically as well as politically. So I, I just don't know if you can be like, oh, so as soon as we're done with World War III, make sure you buy a lot of U.S. market indexes. Well, okay. That's that's a fair, fair criticism. I mean, I don't want to paint that much doom and gloom. I do think the world's much more interconnected than it used to be. Um, and so I, I don't think we're going to have World War III just because the implications of World War III are utter and total destruction and the elimination of the human race, right? Yeah, that, that's that's full-on World War III. So I don't think we'll have that. I, but I do think we're going to have we have the potential now for military conflict between the United States and China. That's pretty obvious, mm -hmm. right? The buildup is happening. The interactions with military equipment is happening now between U.S. ships, Chinese ships, U.S. aircraft, Chinese aircraft. 
um, our allies are on in, in tension with China. So China could be our best friend. It could be our worst enemy, right? Where are we going with this? And right now, we are on the cusp of putting troops into Venezuela where the Chinese have been selling military equipment, where the Russians have been selling military equipment, and where Cuba has something like 25,000 troops on the ground in the form of advisors. So we're, we're start, we're, it's edging there. It's ed, I, I think we're at that place. And by the way, statist, uh, statist politics are rising and statist economics are rising. So you got Octavia Cortez coming straight out. You got Camilla Harris, uh, is it Harris? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris coming straight out and saying, you know, we, we need to nationalize the healthcare system straight up. She's going to run on that platform. Okay. So, so that's a lot of political stuff. Okay. I don't um, mean to get all political. What I'm saying is that this is a sign when you're starting to see these things in the newspapers, this is a sign that takes Ray Dalio and says, 1937, we saw these kinds of parallels. Yeah. The United States is different now. The world is different now, but the, but you you have to remember Mark Twain, right? History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And so you you just have to look at this with some real seriousness and not blow it off just because yeah, we're but different I don't now. I don't know what that. Sorry, it's just like there's never any result to these proclamations that people write twenty page papers, and it annoys me because okay, that's so, just so not like, true. What's the so what? What That's are we to true. do? And is the These answer are... constantly staying cash? No. That's not the answer. That's just the sort of simple, stupid, you know, reflex answer <laughs> okay. that's probably decent, you know, as opposed to, oh, stay the course and keep invested, right? I mean, that would be equally uneducated, I think, at this point, when you're when you, you've got really good investors who are not doing that, right? So right. what is you, my favorite guy to explain maybe where to go with this is Ray Dalio, who is saying there's basically four buckets you want to look at um, for dealing with this kind of, of an issue. Which of the buckets is really coming in the future depends on how people behave coming up. Oh, right? so that's helpful. Okay. Yeah. And so you've got a bucket that says, oh, we're going to have rising inflation, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and a strong economy. Is that likely? Or you got a bucket that says we got rising inflation in a terrible economy. The economy starts to go down the tubes. Then you got one where we're having a, a uh, uh, we have decreasing inflation and a rising economy, and we have decreasing inflation and a and a terrible economy. So these are the four basic buckets, and depending on which way we're sliding right now, we have rising inflation and a rising economy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what Dalio is saying is this isn't going to last. We're in this bucket right now. But depending on what people do next will depend on whether we stay with rising inflation and a deteriorating economy or inflation gets, you know, gets hammered and we go into one of the other two possibilities. So, I mean, all I can tell you is these are the guys to read. And you're you're a good reader and good investors are good readers. And you should read. You should Get Dalio, download his PDFs, get Klarman, download that letter, look around for it. It just came out, 2018, December letter, mm-hmm. and read. And everybody listening, you know, you guys were coming up on a on a really, really potentially sketchy time with very smart people making 
a lot of noise about this right now and they're doing it for you. They're not doing it for them. They already know what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I was just thinking that they're not going to just tell us exactly what they think. Right, exactly. That they're going to do, unfortunately. Right. And so, meanwhile, here we are, and I have to say, we need to do this. We are talking about, oh, you know, Airbnb is going to go public or Uber is going to go public. Right. When the edges out here on the margin of what's going on in the world, it's getting edgier and edgier yeah. and edgier. But the reason that we're talking about this is that those edges have been getting edgier for quite a while. And, you know, life keeps going on. And there's more than one very smart value investor I know who firmly has stayed invested during this sketchy, edgy period because... They don't know how long it's going to go, and they don't want to miss out in the meantime. I know. I know exactly, and I and I, I respect that. And honestly, I think that if I had to answer to my investors, I would absolutely do the same thing. I think that's the institutional imperative. I think you have to do it. But I also know that if you do that, you stand a good chance of being there when the market crumbles. And then you're for sure. down 50% and digging your way out of a hole for the next five years. And I think that fund managers who have gone through that know that that's the risk. They've been there, done that. They hope this thing doesn't crumble. They hope they can escape it if it starts to. But they think that the greater risk is not being invested. Mm -hmm. But it's not like they're not taking a risk. They're taking a risk to stay invested for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah. So, I think about that like as just an individual person – how, how to handle it? I don't know. And, and there's no, there's no like great answer or else we would all know what it was. It's, well, the it's first, just, the first it's a answer real, probably like, is to just, the first answer is to just start to get your house in order, right? In other words, you don't want to be overexposed to debt and, and be driven into bankruptcy because, you know, we go into a recession and you lose your job or you go into a recession, you don't get the raise you expect, or your company isn't doing as well as they, they were projecting they would do. Um, you, you want to take care of yourself first. That's that's take care of you, you and your family first. So save money mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and don't put it at risk in the markets right now. You don't have to everything in the market. Uh, maybe put 5% away in gold of whatever you've got. Buy buy gold coins, you know, gold, gold or silver, and just have that as a little storehouse of value. It does... It, it isn't necessarily a great hedge against inflation, although ultimately it probably does keep up with it. But it's great against time when there's a lot of fear, mm-hmm. and you'll that'll be a, a resource that does decently when there's a lot of fear going on. And if inflation takes off, those that cash I'm telling you to get into is going to be a real problem. It's going to be deteriorated in value very quickly. I remember so, when I was little, you took me to a safety deposit box. At our bank, and mm-hmm. and I was totally freaked out. I was like really little, and you pulled out. I was like in this scary vault, and yeah. you opened the box, and there was this bag of coins. Yeah, and you lifted it up, and it was really heavy, and you said something like, "This is a case of the apocalypse," or something. Not that word. You were like, <laughs> "This is like you think that." The U.S. is just going to be safe all the time. Well, not everything's safe all the time. And this is in case of that. And I was like, oh, my God. 
I'm <laughs> not a prepper. Let me just coins. say. <laughs> And obviously, this has stuck with me for 25 years. I'm not sure that that is exactly the proper translation of what happened in the vault. I'm sure it was not a proper translation, but it it was. I think probably I I shook the bag around because you really liked to listen to the coins jingle more than anything else. I did. Hey, Danielle, stop crying. Here's some jingly coins. And you just turned me into a prepper. What's a prepper? Uh, oh, you don't know about preppers? No. Uh, these would be like like a category of of our citizenship that is um, actively preparing for apocalypse. Oh and no! Spending quite a lot of resources on no, it. No, all know, we digging. had was the coins. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not really ready for apocalypse entirely. <laughs> Although I have to say, honey, and just as in general. As an investor, I, I tend to be, you know, trying to look at the downside. I'm, I'm, I'm a rule one guy. I don't want to lose money. Um, and I've lost it. And it's scary and hard and nasty. And I don't want to do it again, right? That mm-hmm. happens. But I've also been in a lot of countries where they're really going through a lot of economic crisis. And I can tell you a few things that are useful to have that I really think if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, well, what should I do now? I think you should get a month's food supply. Just order it from, you know, Mountain House or somebody who makes dried fruit food and and put that away. It won't cost all that much. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I mean, yeah. Like maybe this is normal in our family, but we've always done that. Yeah. And, I mean, and I keep think, water. You know, take a lesson from the Mormon church and be be. But the be thing prepared. is, like, it really doesn't actually take that much space to have a month of food. It's not. No, well, I guess that's no, because... No. I don't have kids, you know, if you have a big house, a big family, it would be more. I mean, really seriously, a year's supply of dried food is, is, you know, your garage wall. One, one stack of shelves on a garage wall is a year of of dried food. That's a lot of space, dad. Well, it's a lot of food (laughs) for family four. It's a lot of food, but it's not food, water. And by the way, you have to replace the water every few months, which is really annoying. And yep. um, flashlight that works. Flashlight Make sure the batteries are good. Ba- and a radio, like an old-fashioned a radio. winder kind of radio. You can wind it. Oh yeah, you know what I need to buy that I don't have <laughs> is a winder charger for a phone. There you go. I don't have that. There you go. And you want to be the ability to make fire. You want the ability to have some first aid stuff. You just, the basics, just put them there, forget about them. And hope like any insurance policy that you own for your car, for your health, you never have to use it. That Also I, have I'm an truly, emergency location where the family should all meet in case you can't you communicate. Go. That's an go. important Where's one. ours, by the way? No, we don't, we don't have one. <laughs> You're in Zurich. <laughs> Nuno and I have one. Oh, good. Well, hey, head for Portugal, man. It's, although, <laughs> no, Switzerland's a pretty good spot to be. No, you like, it's in like in your town or, oh, in you your know, town. like oh, okay. if like there's an earthquake and you need to find each other that day, like where are you going to go and wait for that person? And it shouldn't be your house because that's um, like you would already meet there. So it's like if there's something wrong with your house, then another location. By the way, did did I t- I told you about this book, Educated, right? Yeah, and I have it ready to listen to on my Tara, on Audible, Tara, and I just haven't Tara done Westover? it. Tara Westover, yeah, yeah, guys, this is an amazing book. Elena had it, and I got it, and then Danielle's getting it and read it. And I just thought of this that 
you know, Tara's father, who is an incredibly interesting character in this book, um, was really scared for her because he's very much sort of a full-on prepper. And she was going to go off to college. And he realized if she went off to college, to Cambridge, he would not be able to come and get her. Aw, that's I like know. you, Dad. That's what I feel like with you. If there's anything really bad happened, I won't be able to come and get you. You're you're across an ocean. When I lived in New York, we had a whole plan that I would swim to New Jersey if necessary. <laughs> Which, looking back on it now, that was probably a dumb plan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I, I gave you a I gave you a climbing rope, I carabiners. Climbing rope. Yes, I still have that rope. To get out of your window, if there's a fire, yep. I gave you a rope long enough to hit to get to the ground. I thought that was. That was awesome. Because you were like, what, 12th floor? No, I was like 20th floor. 20th floor. It, I got a lot of rope. I got a it big was, It's rope. really long and I still have it. I, it came yeah. to Switzerland with me. I can never get and rid of way, that rope. You never while know. While I'm free associating like crazy here, speaking of ropes and climbing, <laughs> last night, your uncle and I just went and saw Free Solo, okay. which is a mind-blowing documentary done by... A Jackson Hole guy, you know. Who's that? Uh, Jimmy Chen. What's his name? Jimmy Chen. Oh, Jimmy Chen made the movie. He made the movie. Cool. He's the director and the producer. And it's a story of this climber uh, who climbed El Capitan, 3,000 vertical feet, in four hours without ropes. Yeah. Or any protection whatsoever. And it is his is, name Alex Honnold? Yeah. Is that the guy? Honnold, yeah. 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 It's crazy. I mean, it's phenomenal how Jimmy put this together. I mean, they got they got deep in with this guy and his girlfriend and what he was going through and what it took to do it. And then the climbing itself is seriously, I was gripping my seat. I mean, tense so much of that movie. Even though I knew he was, that he did it, I knew he succeeded. Yeah, it's just ah oh, man, it was so good. So you go see that if if it comes to all Europe. right. So movie recommendation, yeah. free solo, yeah. Book recommendation, educated by Tara educated. Westover. Yep, yep. Additional and, and reading, PDFs to read. Steph Klarman's recent document. December Ray 18. Dalio's recent yep. document. Right, right. Read those. And then read a lot. Keep reading. You'll be glad you did. I mean, everything you're doing right now to prepare uh, yourself while we're waiting for an opportunity to buy companies that are seriously on sale, everything you're doing, this is prepping the right way. Okay? This is prepping. I agree. Expecting to have an opportunity to get in here for the next round of phenomenal growth in, in the world. And we will have it and we will benefit from it. Yeah. Well, and here I was thinking that we were going to chat more about IPOs and <laughs> and reason I, I have on my list. I don't want to talk about IPOs. We're not doing IPOs. Yes. All right. We could talk about them next time. All right. But the next time is our 200th. Yes, it is. Podcast. It's our 200th podcast. We're going to do something special. Yeah. Yeah. We'll set off fireworks. Let's get Charlie Munger to come on the podcast. All right. Let's go for Charlie. <laughs> okay. Everybody listen to us next time because we might have Charlie. Yeah, I like that. Let's <laughs> that let's make a let's make a promo that says Charlie Munger and then above it says maybe. 
might be here. We, I'm sure Charlie could sue us totally for that bad advertising. Oh, All right, complete. But we'll do our best to get him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Until the 200th episode then. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, show notes, and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.